نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddah, the Reform. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. You've got to grasp what's taking place around you now that they've come to the realization that they can no longer contain you in that container. That the content of your character is overflowing the container. The container being the physical body or hat. And the content of you is overflowing. Like it says, by cup runneth over. You're overflowing now with information. You got questions that don't even meet up to the knowledge that he has put out yet. You're ahead of him in time and space. You want to know what happens when I die? Do I die? What is death? Is, do, am I going to go to heaven? Is there heaven? Do I go? Is it here? Is it there? And they can't answer these things for you. So not only is it happening in the church, but it's also happening on the college campuses. And it's also happening in the high schools. And now the junior high school kids are coming in with questions. So there's a worldwide acknowledgement that is not out front in knowledge. Because they have too many things they can't answer. You follow? So it's very difficult for the sacred societies, Freemasons, Shriners, Knights of Columbus, Alhambra, which all go into the Illuminati to continue to propagate this hypocritical light concept without giving answers. Because people have walked across the arch on the threshold of a past master and still know nothing. They've traveled through the degrees, traveled from west to east and east to west, and still know nothing. But they're waiting with each last Thursday in the month at the lodge, thinking that this is the time we're going to learn that secret. Then they spend 35 to 50 of their years waiting and don't hear no secret. Because they don't have any secret. There's nothing to give them. So the esoteric world, the secret society fails. You follow that? And they force the kids to disrespect God by taking a kid who's suspected as being a criminal 
putting him on a stand and then putting a Bible under his hand expects the same kid who's suspected as being a criminal to tell the truth. Just by putting the Bible there is blasphemy. By putting it in front of a criminal and say, put your hand on his Bible. Expect them to tell the truth when they're there because they did something wrong. You see what I'm saying? Their system is over. The rule of the devil, and the devil has been ruling this world for 6,000 years. His rule is over. Now what people would love to feel is that tomorrow we get up and there won't be no devil. No. You know why? Because the reason why your container is overflowing is because you have diluted your content with the devil's character. We are keeping the devil powerful. We have taken him into us. And he lives in us, in our desires to be other than ourselves. You hear me? In us wanting to live in his image and after his likeness and not in the image of the likeness of the what? No, no, no. I breathed in the man a breath of life and man became a living. You don't want to be a soul. <laughs> you want to be a body. You want to adorn the body. In other words, you want to take the container or the vessel called the body and you want to satisfy it, decorate it, feed it. But the content in the container has already been tilted or tinted with shaitan or satan or abbas or any name that you want to call diabolos, bragos, all the Greek, whatever name you use, this malicious being is now moving in me and you and coerces us to do his bidding. He gets us to make fun of our own, to laugh at people, to steal. He gets us to smoke cigarettes and poison our body, to damage the vessel. And when one of us damages the content, all of us are damaged. Because the content is the same even if the vessel takes on different shapes. All of the containers here have different shapes. All y'all look different. But the content in the container of all of us, soul, essence, God, is the same. So when one soul is damaged, all souls are damaged. That's why he asked him, are you your brother's keeper? And he said, I'm not my brother's keeper. When in fact, I am my brother's keeper. Because as my brother falls, I fall. Humanity falls. Let me tell you something, just to jump away from it. Animals on the planet reach a certain point where they become what they call extinct. Correct? Now, that means that that animal has lived the full potential or lived the utmost of its life. Its existence has now expired and nature, it doesn't want it to breathe anymore. And, that, not, and I say that, I don't mean that as simply as a sound. When I say nature doesn't want that animal to breathe that's now extinct like the bald eagle, it doesn't want that animal that takes in oxygen and gives off a poison substance, that animal's physical composition and what comes out of it should not exist anymore because it'll infringe upon other animals in the chain of life. Try to bear with me what I'm saying. All right? 
If an animal is supposed to disappear, it's because God wants that animal to disappear. And if man step in and prolong the life of that animal, man is taking the ecology and making it imbalanced. Because that animal is not supposed to be here anymore. It's not supposed to breathe anymore. That's how God planned it. But Caucasians will go out there and try to save animals. And while they're saving the animals, they're interfering with the ecology. And they're wondering why all this other stuff is happening here. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. The last strain on all existing animals is the bleach gene. I know some of y'all might want to lie. I ain't going to let y'all lie. I know all y'all have seen rats. And I don't just mean on television. Come on, y'all now. Y'all have seen rats in the house. Run across the floor. You have never seen a white rat run across your living room floor. No, you didn't. You haven't never seen a white deer running across your yard. You ain't seen a white snake until recently. There wasn't no white lions. And every time they get a white snake, they go, look, a white snake. And they show that white snake in every movie they can. When they get a white lion, they take them to Las Vegas and show everybody, look, a white lion. Correct? And when a white buffalo was born a couple of years ago, all the Native Americans said, ho ho, a white buffalo, a special symbol. So it was special for a white thing to be born out of species that were naturally brown, gray, and dark colored. He was unique because he didn't belong there. That's the only reason why the white lion is so important. Because when you see a white lion, you say, lions are not their color. Where did you come from? And they'll prove to you that that is a defective chromosome, an albino gene. You with me? Well, talk to me about something important. Yes. Rabbi, um, first of all, I want to say how glad I am to be in your presence. My pleasure for you to be here. And um, secondly, I have two questions. One question is, I recently lost my mother. Um, we buried her three weeks ago, this uh, Saturday, today. And um, I've, uh, I experienced a horrific scene with her. She died of cancer. And I wondered why I had to actually be there and see her go through this till her last breath. Okay. Um, secondly, um, since I've become a member of the Holy Tab and the Order, uh, I'm having problems sleeping at night, and I've tried different things to try to build up my uh, psychic self-defense. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure that it's working, and I wondered what this was that was bothering me, like um, a hot thing or something that hoovers over or tries to touch me. I don't know what that is. Okay. So I said if I ever was in your presence, You'll I was going to ask you that. <laughs> That's something I talk about all the time. I talk to people about death, funerals, coffins, because they have a system in this society where they want you to remember the people you love in their worst state. That's why they set up hospitals, which doesn't have nothing to do, as I said many times, with curing, but just being hospitable. They want you to see the person. I'm going to tell you something. If you can remember anyone in your family that's past, that you didn't see dead, 
you'll remember them alive. And they will live alive in you forever. In our culture, in ancient Tamare, Egypt, once the person died, as they call it, they had an embalming ceremony where the relatives and the friends never saw the person until the whole ritual was over. And the next time they saw them, they saw a gold, bronze, copper, or wood, depending on how rich they was, replica of them, as beautiful and more lustrous as the great sun rod that we worshipped. You understand what I'm saying? So they never saw them dead in order for them to stare, leave that impression in your mind, that period of regression. Now each stage of that stays with you and haunts you. You follow what I'm saying? But you have got to. You've got to step over that and go back to when she was healthy. You got to get in there. Don't cut me off there. I heard you cut me off. Don't cut me off inside. You got to go back there and you got to remember incidents. You got to have a treasure chest of things in your life that you had with your mother, very special things that makes you remember her embracing you or giving you that first doll or something on Christmas or something that was special when you fell and get that picture and meditate on that image over and over again. Every time the other image comes to your mind, you ride over it with that new image so you replace it in your subconscious mind. Eventually the other image will fade away and all you remember is the good and you see her standing there and you will have resurrected her to live eternally in your heart. You hear me? Now, as far as things haunting you in your sleep, what a lot of people don't understand is disembodied souls roam this planet because they're trapped here because they were too material. And when they passed, they couldn't get out. And they have to stay here until they fuse out and they use people's life and they keep channeling through people and this is how they prolong their stay on this plane. Right? Oftentimes, we go into a state referred to as sleep paralysis when we're very rested, but we can't go directly into slumber. So we go into a semi-slumber state. We think we're awoke, but we are paralyzed and conscious. And this is the best avenue or best plane from which these beings can touch you. You follow? What defends you is a serum in your body called adrenaline. It repels them because it blocks the blood. Because when the person becomes afraid, their body goes into a defense. And the white corpuscles, white blood cells, and red blood cells get ready to defend the body. And it calls on the telephone and speaks to the inner chamber of the blood and says, hemoglobin, call the plasma and tell them to get ready. I'm serious. And it takes a message. And this is the nerve system which has a link to the brain and has its own intelligence center, sending all these messages that something is about to happen. The first thing it does is it sends up a serum that shoots into the dermis, just above the epidermis, the lowest layer of skin. And it creates little bumps on the body. That's called fair bumps. They raise. They are creating a defense or a cushion against an attack. We're not as strong as we were when we keloid. So we create this little, and the hair sits up. This is a defense mechanism that human beings have in them. But if something is strong enough to penetrate the skin, then the message is, go there and knit that back together. And the white corpuscles 
race against the red corpuscles. The red corpuscles are full of uh, breath, so they move faster. So you bleed first. And then the white corpuscles get around, form pus, form a clot called a scab from the hemoglobin, the oxygen, and then the plasma, and it starts to knit you up. You follow me? There's a link between you and that blood and those disembodied souls who can get to the blood to breathe. That's why they try to possess people for the blood. That's why in all their spooky movies, Dracula wants the blood. In all the St. Tonic so-called churches, it's always a blood sacrifice. In the ancient scriptures, they're cutting up goats and giving blood. And God smells the sweet savor of the burning offering, the blood on the altar. These disembodied souls feel connected to the blood. You hear what I'm saying? So when you go into that state of sleep paralysis, beings are trying to get you. It has nothing whatsoever to do with joining, other than the fact that you probably said, this happened when I started joining. And he goes, yeah, that's when it started happening. It starts creating, it becomes a reality. You're looking for a solution so that you can get rid of it. If you go back to when it started happening, trace them who you came in contact with, did you move rooms, did you change the direction you sleep in, anything, start putting the piece together, you'll see where it really came in at. Beings are trying to get to you. Now here's the best part about it. If they could, they would have. If they could have gotten you, they would have done it by now. They're waiting for you to get weaker and weaker. And by not sleeping, your body becomes weaker and weaker. And your resistance gets weaker and weaker. And they think they can pounce down them. You follow what I'm saying? But they can't. Unless you let them in. That's why they tell you Dracula can't get in the house unless you invite him. In every movie. See, they can't get in unless you invite them. And they're trying to weaken you to fear of the unknown, the lack of sleep, until you say, something help me. Anybody help me. And they'll knock right on that door and walk in. Overcome them. Stay up until you fall out. And you'll be asleep. In other words, don't go to bed. I'm not going to bed. You understand what I'm saying? Let me go another way for you. There's another avenue here. This is another whole channel of people who they can't sleep. There's a fluorescent light. It's called daylight. What might be happening also is your body rhythms might be out. In other words, there are people that are night people. And they stay up at night and they sleep in the day. There's a solution to that. They have to take and put on a daylight in a room with them during the night until they can transform the night till the day. And then their body rhythm will change. People who take on night jobs and stuff like that eventually train their body to stay up at night. You understand what I'm saying? There's lights you can buy, a fluorescent light, not incandescent, fluorescent light. That's daylight. And you train yourself by sitting in front of that light. And even though it's night, it'll appear day to you. And eventually your body rhythm will start to change. That's another approach. Because I, I can't tell you which one it is. It could either be bad sleeping habits, or it can be beings trying to weaken you. I'd like to lean on the second. You follow what I'm saying? What were you going to say? I was just saying that, you know, what I'm saying of... Now, I'm not sleep. It's like sometimes it's like something is like 
you know, I can feel it. That's sleep paralysis. Then, then you're in a state of sleep. She's in a state of sleep paralysis. That's all it is. It's a form of being sleep and awoke at the same time. You're caught in between. Right? You may have to put yourself through that stress because you love her. You're right? It's enough days for her to catch her rhythm again. That's what love is about. It's about sacrifice. You may have to. I know you got to go to work, but you may have to put that strain and all the work in your arms to get her system back in place. I mean, that's not too hard to do, is it? But let's do it. <laughs> if you want to investigate, but look up sleep paralysis. Read up on sleep paralysis. All right? Yes. Um, I want to ask you about um, 9999. Is that, has that got something to do with the Y2K or is something going to happen on that? Um, 9999 is really mathematical figure 9 to the ninth power of 9. But when we write it out, people usually say 999. It's 9 to the ninth power of 9. That's the largest figure that you can calculate because the highest number is 9. Anything else, any numbers above 9 are compound numbers. Meaning 11 is a compound of two ones. 12 is a compound of a one and two. They're not numbers. They're compound figures. So nine is the highest number. We have two figures of death and destruction that pertains to the beast. And his was 6666. That was when he, last time the devil came into power on earth. And that was up in uh, 72nd Street when he incarnated through Pope Paul VI. P, P, 6, a P is an inverted 6. You follow that? And then we have our own 999, ninth month, ninth day of 1999, which is the end of the devil's rule. Those two figures there. In Freemasonry, they hide behind the sacred number of the sacred names of Ra and say he has 69 names. You follow what I'm saying? That 69 names is symbolic of 6 and 9, 6 ether, 9 ether. Nine ether in death becomes ghost in six ether. Six ether in death becomes nothingness. When Caucasians die, unless they are given a soul, like it says, he restoreth my soul. So the, you can have your soul removed and you can have your soul restored. Unless their soul is restored, they dissipate into nothingness. You follow? That's what happens with six ether, inverted nine. Okay, Bob, um, I got three questions. All right. Um, yeah, four. The first one was a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was listening to a tape, and uh, I heard you say um, something about a red and blue star coming together, and I didn't know what that represented. That was just one question. Um, another one is I was noticing that we dealing a lot with, um, you know, like microorganisms and stuff like that, you know, in the, in the books, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, that's that's kind of a little bit different from what, some of the things that we usually did. And that another, we usually did. <coughs> that mean, or that I usually read in, okay, in our Back in our old books, the book called Science of Creation, uh -huh. I was breaking down microorganisms back in 1970. Okay. So that's not, it's not new to me. It's much new, well, young to me. It's just catching up with it. Yeah. Okay. A lot of things I'm teaching today, <laughs> I taught back. I wrote books back in 1967 under Amanubi or Akhtar. Mm. It's on archives in Washington. People didn't even know I wrote them about okay. Egypt back then. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, and the, and the last one was, uh, I, I was just doing, you know, from my old books, I just went back and I was studying them, you know, over again. And I noticed like a pattern with um, some of the, the, the doctrine. It was like, I noticed that um, like the number 46 was coming up over and over again, like, um, you know, the 46, um, 
um, people with um, Tammuz that did, did plagiarization. Chromosomes. And, yeah, that, that like that. 46 dynasties. Uh-huh, yeah. I was trying to figure out. That's an Egyptian figure. I mean, I'm just, you know, is it more to that, those, those three yes. questions? Yes, not more to the words, it's more to the number. Uh-huh. Uh, Egyptians were in numerology. Okay. 46 is really, not 46 in Egyptian, it's four and, and six. Uh-huh. And four represented the four elements, earth, water, and fire. Okay. Or wind and wind fire. fire. And six represented the mark of a papis. A papis uh-huh. was the Egyptian way of saying Satan. Okay. Right? And that was his mark of identity in time. And his cycles worked in sixes. Our cycles work in nine. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But four was the marking point of the universe, the four corners of the universe, and they represent the four elements that we identify with okay. as incarnated beings. So that each number you read in Egypt, when you see a number like 72, uh-huh. you say seven and two. And you look into the Egyptian mysteries as to what deities moved in two, and you come up with Osiris or Asaru and Asit or Isis. And you say, okay, what deities moved in fives? And you get the names of the five deities. Mm-hmm. What deities moved in six? And you'll see a pattern there in the Egyptian mysteries that tell a story about us. Okay. You follow? Which yeah. will be explained thoroughly in the in order. There's a new order okay. in existence now. Breaks down the whole, all the secret mysteries. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, the, oh, the red and blue star? Right. Yeah. You look to the north. Uh-huh. When Venus comes into play, and you'll see a, a, a red star beside it. Okay. When Venus comes close, it's bluish green. Uh-huh. Right, those are signs of the alignment. Okay. Alignment that I didn't come up with. I must say that because these people are giving me the credit of being a person who used May 5th, 2000 as the alignment. And I didn't come up with that. Someone else was talking. There's a book out called May 5th, 2000 that I did not write. But they don't want to say a white man wrote it. In case it don't happen, they'll say I wrote it. But now that the alignment for the planet or five now are lined up, now they're starting to put in all the newspapers, and they don't want to say I had nothing to do with it no more. Yes. Um, I just have two questions. Um, one, the sister down there was speaking about, um, as far as dreams were concerned, uh, I seem to be, I never used to, like, remember my dreams, but I seem to be having redundant dreams of me and my son just yes, running sir. away, like, um, every other night, and I just want to ask that. First of all, there's a variety of different kind of dreams that people have. Some dreams are visions. Right? Some dreams are messages. There's a difference between a vision and a message. Because a message is for you and a vision is of something that's going to affect more than you. Some dreams are fears. Some dreams are movies that you write and design to hide and shelter other things that you are afraid of. Reoccurring dreams, as people call because remember dreams is a sister to death. There's a link between dreaming and dying. The same thing happens when you, strange, y'all ask me sometimes questions that I was talking about all afternoon. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a dream that was real, that felt real? If you didn't wake up, how would you know that it was a dream? If you can't answer that, then how do you know this is not the dream? And you're waiting to wake up. You, okay, by pinching yourself. You've never pinched yourself in a dream yet and got a reaction. Pinch yourself to make sure this ain't the dream. Okay? Now, what I'm reaching at is reoccurring events are like a film that keeps, or record that keeps skipping. It's not solving itself. And that's why it's reoccurring. You've got to analyze it, find out in it the little things that you added or coded in your dream so that you can dissect it and get to the root of it. 
And then and only then will it go away. Until you do that, it's going to keep reoccurring. It's a, it's a chip record in your life of time. Some event has stamped itself in your mind, in your subconscious mind, and you are preventing it from dissipating. You're not trying to solve it. In other words, and it'll just keep on tumbling until you go back, analyze the dream, each incident, each person, and see which people you might be replacing. Because oftentimes in dreams, we replace people with people we want it to be or people we don't want it to be with another person's actions. The environment I'm in, was I ever there? When was I there? What led to me being there? You know what I'm saying? Is it a heartbreak situation? Is it a desertion thing? Was I deserted from a guy I love at that certain point, at a certain place? And I, and I reflected, because around the corner was a store I used to go to, so now I dream around the corner, but my mind is really on this side, but I don't want to be on this side, because that's where I was hurt. So I moved the dream to another place, and I replaced his face with somebody I'm now with. And I do this, you know what I'm saying? And that's how well the mind has been knitted to protect you against insanity. By the time a person goes insane, they're supposed to go insane. Because the brain is set up in a way that it will protect you against insanity. So you have to take that dream and write it down on paper and look at it. And dissect it as the place, the people involved. Then look back at yourself. How am I dressed? Why am I dressed this way? Who is in the dream with me? Why are they in the dream? Is it a kid or is it an adult? What are we doing? Walking? Are we running? Are we driving? Whose car are we in? Why that car? Are we driving too fast? Then you might remember being the driving with a person in the car who was driving too fast, who had too much authority, and you didn't want to say nothing, but you felt afraid. You stored that fear in your subconscious mind, and it waited for the rest of a puzzle that can project itself. It wasn't enough to portray itself, so it stays in the subconscious mind. And then another incident happens where someone raises their hand at you, right, and almost hits you, and you duck, right? And that stores itself. Later on, you're in a vehicle, and somebody swings their hand at you in a dream. You've taken these two incidents and made them one. To rid yourself of it, all dreams is trying to do is keep you from storing waste information. So you dream it out of your existence. You follow? Because every time you dream, you sit back and analyze it right, you'll find out it relates to things taking place in your life at the moment. Within that last 72 hours, if you really add them up right. You follow? You've got to grasp what's taking place around you now that they've come to the realization that they can no longer contain you in that container. That the content of your character is overflowing the container. The container being the physical body or hat. And the content of you is overflowing. Like it says, by cup runneth over. You're overflowing now with information. You got questions that don't even meet up to the knowledge that he has put out yet. You're ahead of him in time and space. You want to know what happens when I die. Do I die? What is death? Is, do, am I going to go to heaven? Is there heaven? Do I go? Is it here? Is it there? And they can't answer these things for you. So not only is it happening in the church, but it's also happening on the college campuses. And it's also happening in the high schools. And now the junior high school kids are coming in with questions. So there's a worldwide acknowledgement that is not out front in knowledge. Because they have too many things they can't answer. You follow? So it's very difficult for the sacred societies 
Freemasons, Shriners, Knights of Columbus, Alhambra, which all go into the Illuminati to continue to propagate this hypocritical light concept without giving answers. Because people have walked across the arch on the threshold of a past master and still know nothing. They've traveled through the degrees, traveled from west to east and east to west, and still know nothing. But they're waiting with each last Thursday in the month at the lodge, thinking that this is the time we're going to learn that secret. Then they spend 35 to 50 of their years waiting and don't hear no secret. Because they don't have any secrets. There's nothing to give them. So the esoteric world, the secret society fails. You follow that? And they force the kids to disrespect God by taking a kid who's suspected as being a criminal, putting him on a stand, and then putting a Bible under his hand and expect the same kid who's suspected as being a criminal to tell the truth. Just by putting the Bible there is blasphemy. By putting it in front of a criminal and say, put your hand on his Bible. Expect them to tell the truth when they're there because they did something wrong. You see what I'm saying? Their system is over. The rule of the devil, and the devil has been ruling this world for 6,000 years. His rule is over. Now what people would love to feel is that tomorrow we get up and there won't be no devil. No. You know why? Because the reason why your container is overflowing is because you have diluted your contents with the devil's character. We are keeping the devil powerful. We have taken him into us. And he lives in us, in our desires to be other than ourselves. You hear me? In us wanting to live in his image and after his likeness and not in the image of the likeness of the what? No, no, no. I breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living. You don't want to be a soul. <laughs> you want to be a body. You want to adorn the body. In other words, you want to take the container or the vessel called the body and you want to satisfy it, decorate it, feed it. But the content in the container has already been tilted or tinted with shaitan or Satan or Abbas or any name that you want to call Diabolus, Bragos, or the Greek, whatever name you use, this malicious being is now moving in me and you and coerces us to do his bidding. He gets us to make fun of our own, to laugh at people, to steal. He gets us to smoke cigarettes and poison our body, to damage the vessel. And when one of us damages the content, all of us are damaged. Because the content is the same even if the vessel takes on different shapes. All of the containers here have different shapes. All y'all look different. But the content in the container of all of us, soul, essence, God, is the same. So when one soul is damaged, all souls are damaged. That's why he asked him, are you your brother's keeper? And he said, I'm not my brother's keeper. When in fact, I am my brother's keeper. Because as my brother falls, I fall. Humanity falls. 
me tell you something, just to jump away from it. Animals on the planet reach a certain point where they become what they call extinct. Correct? Now, that means that that animal has lived the full potential or lived the utmost of its life. Its existence has now expired and nature, it doesn't want it to breathe anymore. And, that, not, I don't, and I say that, I don't mean that as simply as a sound. When I say nature doesn't want that animal to breathe that's now extinct like the bald eagle, it doesn't want that animal that takes in oxygen and gives off a poison substance, that animal's physical composition and what comes out of it should not exist anymore because it'll infringe upon other animals in the chain of life. Try to bear with me what I'm saying. Alright? If an animal is supposed to disappear, it's because God wants that animal to disappear. And if man step in and prolong the life of that animal, man is taking the ecology and making it imbalanced. Because that animal is not supposed to be here anymore. It's not supposed to breathe anymore. That's how God planned it. But Caucasians will go out there and try to save animals. And while they're saving the animal, they're interfering with the ecology. And they're wondering why all this other stuff is happening here. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. <laughs> the last strain on all existing animals is the bleach gene. <laughs> I know some of y'all might want to lie. I ain't going to let y'all lie. <laughs> I know all y'all have seen rats. And I don't just mean on television. Come on, y'all now. Y'all have seen rats in the house. Run across the floor. You have never seen a white rat run across your living room floor. No, you didn't. You have never seen a white deer running across your yard. You ain't seen a white snake until recently. There wasn't no white lions. And every time they get a white snake, they go, look, a white snake. And they show that white snake in every movie they can. When they get a white lion, they take them to Las Vegas and show everybody, look, a white lion. Correct? And when a white buffalo was born a couple of years ago, all the Native Americans said, oh, a white buffalo, a special symbol. So it was special for a white thing to be born out of species that were naturally brown, gray, and dark colored. He was unique because he didn't belong there. That's the only reason why the white lion is so important. Because when you see a white lion, you say, lions are not their color. Where did you come from? And they'll prove to you that that is a defective chromosome, an albino gene. You with me? Well, talk to me about something important. Yes. Rabbi, um, first of all, I want to say how glad I am to be in your presence. My pleasure for you to be here. And um, secondly, I have two questions. One question is, I recently lost my mother. Um, we buried her three weeks ago, this uh, Saturday, today. And um, I've uh, 
I experienced a horrific scene with her. She died of cancer. And I wondered why I had to actually be there and see her go through this till her last breath. Um, secondly, um, since I've become a member of the Holy Tab and the Order, uh, I'm having problems sleeping at night, and I've tried different things to try to build up my uh, psychic self-defense. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure that it's working, and I wondered what this was that was bothering me. It's like um, a hot thing or something that hoovers over or tries to touch me. I don't know what that is. Okay. So I said, if I ever was in your presence, you I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> That's something I talk about all the time. I talk to people about death, funerals, coffins, because they have a system in this society where they want you to remember the people you love in their worst state. That's why they set up hospitals, which doesn't have nothing to do, as I said many times, with curing, but just being hospitable. They want you to see the person. I'm going to tell you something. If you can remember anyone in your family that's passed, that you didn't see dead, you'll remember them alive. And they will live alive in you forever. In our culture, in ancient Tamare, Egypt, once the person died, as they call it, they had an embalming ceremony where the relatives and the friends never saw the person until the whole ritual was over. And the next time they saw them, they saw a gold, bronze, copper, or wood, depending on how rich they was, replica of them, as beautiful and more lustrous as the great sun rod that we worshipped. You understand what I'm saying? So they never saw them dead in order for them to stare, leave that impression in your mind that period of regression. Now each stage of that stays with you and haunts you. You follow what I'm saying? But you have got to. You've got to step over that and go back to when she was healthy. You got to get in there. Don't cut me off there. I heard you cut me off. Don't cut me off inside. You got to go back there and you got to remember incidents. You got to have a treasure chest of things in your life that you had with your mother, very special things that makes you remember her embracing you or giving you that first doll or something on Christmas or something that was special when you fell and get that picture and meditate on that image over and over again. Every time the other image comes to your mind, you ride over it with that new image so you replace it in your subconscious mind. Eventually the other image will fade away and all you remember is the good and you see her standing there and you will have resurrected her. To live eternally in your heart. You hear me? Now, as far as things haunting you in your sleep, what a lot of people don't understand is disembodied souls roam this planet because they're trapped here because they were too material. And when they passed, they couldn't get out. And they have to stay here until they fuse out. And they use people's life. And they keep channeling through people. And this is how they prolong their stay on this plane. Right? Oftentimes, we go into a state referred to as sleep paralysis when we're very rested, but we can't go directly into slumber. So we go into a semi-slumber state. We think we're awoke, but we are paralyzed and conscious. And this is the best avenue or best plane from which these beings can touch you. Your father, what defends you is a serum in your body called adrenaline. It repels them because it blocks the blood. Because when the person becomes afraid, their body goes into a defense. 
and the white corpuscles, white blood cells, and red blood cells get ready to defend the body. And it calls on the telephone and speaks to the inner chamber of the blood and says, hemoglobin, call the plasma and tell them to get ready. I'm serious. And it takes a message. And this is the nerve system, which has a link to the brain and has its own intelligence sensor. Sending all these messages that something is about to happen. The first thing it does is it sends up a serum that shoots into the dermis, just above the epidermis, the lowest layer of skin. And it creates little bumps on the body. That's called fair bumps. They raise. They are creating a defense or a cushion against an attack. We're not as strong as we were when we keloid. So we create this little, and the hair sits up. This is a defense mechanism that human beings have in them. But if something is strong enough to penetrate the skin, then the message is, go there and knit that back together. And the white corpuscles race against the red corpuscles. The red corpuscles are full of uh, breath, so they move faster. So you bleed first. And then the white corpuscles get around, form pus, form a clot called a scab, from the hemoglobin, the oxygen, and then the plasma, and it starts to knit you up. You follow me? There's a link between you and that blood, and those disembodied souls who can get to the blood to breathe. That's why they try to possess people, for the blood. That's why in all their spooky movies, Dracula wants the blood. In all the St. Tonic so-called churches, it's always a blood sacrifice. In the ancient scriptures, they're cutting up goats and giving blood. And God smells the sweet savor of the burning offering, the blood on the altar. These disembodied souls feel connected to the blood. You hear what I'm saying? So when you go into that state of sleep paralysis, beings are trying to get you. It has nothing whatsoever to do with joining, other than the fact that you probably said, this happened when I started joining. And he goes, yeah, that's when it started happening. It starts creating... It becomes a reality. You're looking for a solution so that you can get rid of it. If you go back to when it started happening, trace them who you came in contact with, did you move rooms, did you change the direction you sleep in, anything, start putting the piece together, you'll see where it really came in at. Beings are trying to get to you. Now here's the best part about it. If they could, they would have. If they could have gotten you, they would have done it by now. They're waiting for you to get weaker and weaker. And by not sleeping, your body becomes weaker and weaker and your resistance gets weaker and weaker and they think they can pounce down them. You follow what I'm saying? But they can't unless you let them in. That's why they tell you Dracula can't get in the house unless you invite him in every movie. See, they can't get in unless you invite them and they're trying to weaken you to fear of the unknown, the lack of sleep, until you say, something help me, anybody help me, and they'll knock right on that door and walk in. Overcome them. Stay up until you fall out, and you'll be asleep. In other words, don't go to bed. I'm not going to bed. You understand what I'm saying? Let me go another way for you. There's another avenue here. This is another whole channel of people who, they can't sleep. There's a fluorescent light. It's called daylight. What might be happening also is your body rhythms might be out. In other words, there are people that are night people. 
and they stay up at night and they sleep in the day. There's a solution to that. They have to take and put on a day light in a room with them during the night until they can transform the night till the day and then their body rhythm will change. People who take on night jobs and stuff like that eventually train their body to stay up at night. You understand what I'm saying? There's lights you can buy, a fluorescent light, not incandescent, fluorescent light. That's daylight. And you train yourself by sitting in front of that light. And even though it's night, it'll appear day to you. And eventually your body rhythm will start to change. That's another approach. Because I, I can't tell you which one it is. It could either be bad sleeping habits, or it can be beings trying to weaken you. I'd like to lean on the second. You follow what I'm saying? What was you going to say? I was just saying that, you know, what I'm saying of, all no, I'm no, saying of she fall out, that I have to stay up with her. And that puts the strain on me. It's like, I'm not sleep. It's like, sometimes it's like something is like, you know, I can feel it. That's sleep paralysis. Then, then you're in a state of sleep. She's in a state of sleep paralysis. That's all it is. It's a form of being sleep and awoke at the same time. You're caught in between. Right? You may have to put yourself through that stress because you love her. You're right? It's enough days for her to catch her rhythm again. That's what love is about. It's about sacrifice. You may have to. I know you got to go to work, but you may have to put that strain in the hard and working yard to get her system back in place. I mean, that's not too hard to do, is it? But let's do it. <laughs> if you want to investigate, but look up sleep paralysis. Read up on sleep paralysis. All right. Yes. Um, I want to ask you about um, nine nine ninety nine. Is that is that got something to do with the Y two K, or is there something going to happen on that? Um, nine nine ninety nine is really mathematical figure nine to the ninth power of nine. But when we write it out, people usually say nine nine nine. It's nine to the ninth power of nine. That's the largest figure that you can calculate because the highest number is nine. Anything else. Any numbers above 9 are compound numbers, meaning 11 is a compound of two ones. 12 is a compound of a 1 and 2. They're not numbers. They're compound figures. So 9 is the highest number. We have two figures of death and destruction that pertains to the beast, and his was 6666. That was when he, last time the devil came into power on earth. And that was up in uh, 72nd Street when he incarnated through Pope Paul VI, PP6, a P is an inverted six. You follow that? And then we have our own 999, ninth month, ninth day of 1999, which is the end of the devil's rule. Those two figures there. In Freemasonry, they hide behind the sacred number of the sacred names of Ra and say he has 69 names. You follow what I'm saying? That 69 names is symbolic of 6 and 9. 6 ether, 9 ether. 9 ether in death becomes ghost in 6 ether. 6 ether in death becomes nothingness. When Caucasians die, unless they are given a soul, like it says, he restoreth my soul. So that you can have your soul removed and you can have your soul restored. Unless their soul is restored, they dissipate into nothingness. You follow? That's what happens with six ether, inverted nine. Okay, Bob, um, I got three questions. All right. Um, yeah, four. 
the first one was a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was listening to a tape, and uh, I heard you say um, something about a red and blue star coming together, and I didn't know what that represented. That was just one question. Um, another one is uh, I was noticing that we dealing a lot with, um, you know, like microorganisms and stuff like that, you know, in the, in the books, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, that's, that's kind of a little bit different from some of the things that we usually did. And so another, who you did? That means, or that I usually read okay, in our Back in our old books, the book called Science of Creation, uh-huh. I was breaking down microorganisms back in 1970. Oh, okay. So that's not, it's not new to me. You're well, young to me, you're just catching up with it. Yeah. Okay. A lot of things I'm teaching today, <clears throat> I taught back, I wrote books back in 1967 under Amanubi or It's on archives in Washington. People didn't even know I wrote them about okay. Egypt back then. Uh-huh. Okay, and, and the last one was. Uh, I, I was just doing, you know, from my old books, I just went back and I was studying them, you know, over again. And I noticed like a pattern with um, some of the, the the doctrine. It was like I noticed that um, like the number 46 was coming up over and over again. Like, um, you know, the 46 um, uh, people with uh, Tammuz that did, did plagiarization. Chromosomes. And, yeah, that that, like that. 46 went, dynasties. Uh-huh, yeah. I was That's trying to figure Egyptian out. That's an Egyptian figure. I mean, I'm just, you know, is it more to that, those, those three yes. questions? Yes, no, not more to the words, it's more to the number. Uh, uh, Egyptians were in numerology. Okay. 46 is really, not 46 in Egyptian, it's 4 and, and 6. Uh-huh. And 4 represented the 4 elements, earth, water, and fire. Okay. Or wind and wind fire. fire. And 6 represented the mark of a papis. A papis uh-huh. was the Egyptian way of saying Satan. Okay. Right, and that was his mark of identity in time. And his cycles worked in sixes. Our cycles work in nine. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But four was the marking point of the universe, the four corners of the universe, and it represents the four elements that we identify with okay. as incarnated beings. So that each number you read in Egypt, when you see a number like 72, uh-huh. you say seven and two. And you look into the Egyptian mysteries, as to what deities moved into, and you come up with Osiris or Asaru and Asit or Isis. And you say, okay, what deities moved in fives? And you get the names of the five deities. Mm-hmm. What deities moved in six? And you'll see a pattern there in the Egyptian mysteries that tell a story about us. Okay. You follow? Which yeah. will be explained thoroughly in the in order. There's a new order okay. in existence now. Breaks down the whole, all the secret mysteries. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, the, oh, the red and blue star? Right. Yeah. You look to the north. When uh-huh. Venus comes into play, and you see a, a, a red star beside it. Okay. When Venus comes close, it's bluish green. Uh-huh. Right? Those are signs of the alignment. Okay. Alignment that I didn't come up with. I must say that, because these people are giving me the credit of being a person who used May 5th, 2000 as the alignment. And I didn't come up with that. Someone else was talking. There's a book out called May 5th, 2000 that I did not write. But they don't want to say, a white man wrote it, because in case it don't happen, They'll say, I wrote it. But now that the alignment for the planet, or five now, are lined up, now they're starting to put in all the newspapers, and they don't want to say I had nothing to do with it no more. Um, yes. I just have two questions. Um, one, the sister down there was speaking about, um, as far as dreams were concerned, uh, I seem to be, I never used to, like, remember my dreams, but I seem to be having redundant dreams of me and my son just yes, running sir. away, like, um, every other night, and I just want to ask that. First of all, there's a variety of different kind of dreams that people have. Some dreams are visions, right? Some dreams are messages. There's a difference between a vision and a message. Because the message is for you and a vision is of something that's going to affect more than you. 
Some dreams are fears. Some dreams are movies that you write and design to hide and shelter other things that you are afraid of. Reoccurring dreams, as people call them, remember dreams is a sister to death. There's a link between dreaming and dying. The same thing happens when you, it's strange, y'all ask me sometimes questions that I was talking about all afternoon. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a dream that was real, that felt real? If you didn't wake up, how would you know that it was a dream? If you can't answer that, then how do you know this is not the dream? And you're waiting to wake up. You, okay, by pinching yourself. You've never pinched yourself in a dream yet and got a reaction. Pinch yourself to make sure this ain't the dream. Okay? Now, what I'm reaching at is reoccurring events are like a film that keeps, or record that keeps skipping. It's not solving itself. And that's why it's reoccurring. You've got to analyze it Find out in it the, the things that you added or coded in your dream so that you can dissect it and get to the root of it. And then and only then will it go away. Until you do that, it's going to keep reoccurring. It's a, it's a chip record in your life of time. Some event has stamped itself in your mind, in your subconscious mind, and you are preventing it from dissipating. You're not trying to solve it. In other words, and it will just keep on tumbling until you go back analyze the dream each incident each person and see which people you might be replacing because oftentimes in dreams we replace people with people we want it to be or people we don't want it to be with another person's actions the environment i'm in was i ever there when was i there what led to me being there you know what i'm saying is it a heartbreak situation is it a desertion thing was i deserted from a guy i love at that certain point at a certain place and i and I reflected because around the corner was a store I used to go to. So now I dream around the corner, but my mind is really on this side. But I don't want to be on this side because that's where I was hurt. So I moved the dream to another place. And I replaced his face with somebody I'm now with. And I do this, you know what I'm saying? And that's how well the mind has been knitted to protect you against insanity. By the time a person goes insane, they're supposed to go insane. Because the brain is set up in a way that it will protect you against insanity. So you have to take that dream and write it down on paper and look at it, and dissect it as a place, the people involved, then look back at yourself, how am I dressed? Why am I dressed this way? Who is in the dream with me? Why are they in the dream? Is it a kid or is it an adult? What are we doing, walking or are we running? Are we driving? Whose car are we in? Why that car? Are we driving too fast? Then you might remember being a, driving with a person in the car that was driving too fast, who had too much authority, and you didn't want to say nothing, but you felt afraid. You stored that fear in your subconscious mind and it waited for the rest of a puzzle that can project itself. It wasn't enough to portray itself so it stays in the subconscious mind. And then another incident happens where someone raises their hand at you, right? And almost hits you and you duck, right? And that stores itself. Later on you're in a vehicle and somebody swings their hand at you in a dream. You've taken these two incidents and made them one. To rid yourself of it, all dreams is trying to do is keep you from storing waste information so you dream it out of your existence you follow because every time you dream you sit back and analyze it right you'll find out it relates to things taking place in your life at the moment within that last 72 hours if you really add them up right you follow we will continue with the man of the hour dr malachi z york the reformer for this day and time right after these messages on wgag radio Do you think you got what it takes to host your own radio show? Hell yeah! 
Here is your chance to become a radio host on the hottest, fastest, growing radio network on the planet. Isn't WGAG Radio? You already know WGAG Radio is opening their radio waves to you, but you got plenty of opportunities to make some money with this. As a WGAG radio host, you get to make a substantial amount of unlimited income by getting sponsors for your show. Just a small investment of $30 can get you started. Say what? You heard it. It's just as low as $30 a month. Start making money today with WGAG radio. What's the number? Call 706-468-2319 or email WGAGradio at gmail.com. Y'all hear that? That sounds like opportunity knocking to me. Look at the air. Look at the hand. People always debated, who's the greatest player of all time? Dumb question. It should be, who's the greatest team of all time? WGAG Radio. Sorry, Showtime. WGAG Radio. Back to back. WGAG Radio. First three P. WGAG Radio. Even with the flu. WGAG Radio. No push off. WGAG Radio. And my favorite. Radio. Tough to beat that. What? You think there's someone else? Prove it. Catch my gear legs open, better smash that. Don't be surprised if she asks where the cash shit. Let's talk about what they don't want you to talk about. On the Donna Coleon Show, Rock Talk Radio, Monday through Sunday, 12 noon, Eastern Standard Time. Or jointhegossip.com. WGAG Radio. Now, welcome back to the Man of the Hour. Allah is the most high, 
or what is the highest, you have to say highest of who or what. How you become the highest of something unless there's something compatible to you or something that was a challenge to you and you have what? Overcome it. You understand what I'm saying? So when Melchizedek, the way the Bible translates the name, met Abraham, right? He taught Abraham about Elion, Elion, El in the Torah. Right? The most high, the highest. Because Ibrahim, or Abraham, or Abraham, to the language came again, was already worshipping as a Chaldean. He already had a religion. He already prospered. He got to the Torah, or Tanakh. They tell you that he fell on his face and he prayed before those Hittites. When he was buying a tomb for his wife. Right? You follow that? So he understood prostration already. So he understood prayer already. But Melchizedek had to come and tell him, get back to the worship of Anu. Now why would I say Anu when they use Ilion Ilion El in the Tanakh or the Torah? Because Melchizedek was not a Hebrew. When Melchizedek was speaking, he was speaking as Melech Zodak. He was speaking as a Hebrew. We say Melech, an angel who is Sidoth, who is righteous or just or justified, who deals just. So he wasn't speaking as a Hebrew or an Israelite or a Muslim. He was speaking as a Chaldean. You follow that? Meaning he was speaking to Abraham, who your Bible says was a Chaldean. Or of Chaldea. They also say he was an Aramean. What they use in the Tanakh is the word Syrian. But if you look into the Hebrew of it, you'll find the word Aramean. Of Aram from Genesis 10. So all these people were speaking one of the dialects that was given to man. You with me? And so he would have been speaking to Abraham before Abraham became a Hebrew. The word Hebrew, simply Ibrit, means, or in Arabic, Ebra, means to cross from one place to another. To cross over the tide which you pray. He was going to the furthest point of our land. When I say our land, let me make myself clear. That's a long story for Moses High to bring it down to more. Our land extended from the other side of the Persian Gulf coming westward all the way to California. Yes, Father? There was no Red Sea or Reed Sea. Right? Bahra, we call it Bahra. There was none there. There was no Atlantic Ocean. Continental drift and continent drift resulted in land masses moving. Thus, there was no Africa. There was no separation called South America. All those pieces of land, when pushed back together, will give you one bland spot of water in the center. And that Bland spot today is off the coast of what they call Bermuda. You with me? Which all was all part of what later what they ancient called the Yucatan. Beneath the Bermuda is now what they refer to as the Bermuda Triangle. A magnetic field. That was the capital of our kingdom. That was took place in Sumer and Egypt and this land, the land of the frogs. Some call it a maxim. 
from the word Mexico. That's just one of the names. All of that was called Genoa. Genoa is what we called it. And we sectioned it off in the park based on the people of a bear. I don't want to go too far from Mosiah, so I'll come back around that part later. So when Abraham started his journey, he encountered a man who the Bible cannot account for genealogy. A man called Melchizedek. The man is also mentioned in Moses' time. The man is also mentioned in the book of Hebrew in Jesus' time as being after the order of Melchizedek. You follow? This was, of course, an incarnated being. We do believe in reincarnation and incarnation. You follow? Now, Muslims will tell you they don't believe in reincarnation. Christians will tell you they don't believe in reincarnation. Right? But then they'll tell you, Jesus died, went to heaven, and he's coming back. <laughs> Talk to me then. That's not reincarnation, what is it? Jesus died, went to heaven, and came back. Lazarus died, went into a tomb, was wrapped, buried, spiked. Jesus came three and a half days later and called Lazarus back to life. Back in the same cardinal, cardinal body. What is that? That's re in cardinal body. Reincarnation. Uh, Alright, so we have a being, Melchizedek, who reincarnates from body to body. He comes at a crucial time Amongst his own. <coughs> Raise up for you from amongst, from amongst you. But the key word in that last one was out of the east unto the west. You with me? Right. Now, certain groups of people would like to make you think their leader or their teacher is that man when they were born here in America. Make it plain. Whether it be Zanzibar, Georgia, or North Carolina, or Jamaica, West Indies, and I named three prominent brothers who I love dearly, they were all born here. And I had to, I had to do this book, <coughs> postgraduate lesson. I had to do this book, Chef Daoud versus Master W.D. Fogg. Because they at one point were saying that this man, Master Farad Muhammad, Farad Muhammad, Fahad Muhammad, Farad Muhammad, Farid Muhammad, or whatever way they want to spell his name, was the most high amongst you, the wisest amongst you. And because they said he came from the East, he started to fit the mold of the prototype that would come to save his people, or save those which were lost. But it says in Matthew, you'll come out of the east unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He'd be born there and come here. I was born in Nubia. Tried and proved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the Muslims call upon, while we were in the school of Islam, 
and I'll address that just if I could John. Put me in a position where I was the most hated, dark-skinned, olive-toned, Islamic teacher in America. I was the most criticized. I was the most critiqued. They were asking me questions about who makes up my bed? <laughs> who cuts the lettuce in the pot in my house for my salad? Where is my mother? Who is my mother? Where is my father? Who is my father? Where were you born? When did you take your shahada? How long have you been a Muslim? Are you Sudanese? Are you American? Are you Dr. Yorker Disco Singer? Are you Imam Isa? Are you Rabboni Yeshua? Do you call yourself Christ? Do you say you are God? Questions, they didn't dare ask any of the other leaders. So I ain't never heard nobody yet ask Mr. Louis Farrakhan about his private life. But me, I was put to test, tried and proved. And I had to prove it by producing documents. So the Sunni Muslims went out and said, oh man, we know him. That's Dr. York. His name is uh, Dwight. He was born in Brooklyn somewhere. We <laughs> remember that guy. So I went on back to Sudan. Melody. Wahudu. Shahadadi. Whatever and got my birth certificate. Had to go back to the files and hunt it down. Because I was born in 1945 when they did everything by hand. There was no computers. I can't tell you what I had to go through the hall of records. But as an enclave, the most recognized clan in Sudan, it made it easy. And when Sayyid Sadiq, the prime minister standing beside me, it made it a little easier than what it cost you. So I went and got the birth certificate and I printed a book and I said, here's my birth certificate. End of the book. Oh, he made that up. <laughs> it got the seal of Sudan on it. He got the signature of the man who approved it. When I had to get well, you have to get a photo of that copy, not giving you the original, give you with a seal. Oh, he made that up. I know. Then I know a brother named Lukman, who was in the States in the 19... Was it 65 or 55? When he took his shahada, I was there. I had to go into the files of records and checked out was dead now. Had to get back in touch with Mother Khadija's wife at the Islamic Mission of America, 148 feet in Brooklyn, and get inside the files and pull out my identification card. Can you say that? And it showed June 12th. 1957, Chef Dow gave me my card. Most of the guys who were asking me the questions were babies at the time, breastfeeding. When I was in State Street, under a Marathi, born Chef Daoud, as we call it. Born in Morocco. No, they say Chef Dow was born in the Caribbean. That's why I put these books up. But he gave me the information. You with me? Because I had to establish in this latter day and time who the Most High is amongst us. That Most High 
is like the Freemasons, they're the highest degree of information. In the Islamic world, they say the Imam is the smartest person in the mosque who knows the most Quran, and in their case, the most Hadith or Sunnah, who's best at fiqh, Sharia, a bunch of nice, fancy Arabic words. Whoever knows the most becomes the Imam of Imams, which would make him the highest of the Imams. The Grand Master, the Grand Potentate, becomes the highest figure in the Lodge under the G, which stands for the Grand Architect of the Universe. And the Grand Master who stands in the Lodge with two seats beside him and sits on that throne becomes a representative to you of God himself in person. That's why they call him what? The Grand Master of the Lodge. So the Most High has to verify, to prove that they have what? The most knowledge, the most wisdom, and the most understanding to give you an overstanding. <laughs> Not just knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I saw knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I heard knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And I listened to knowledge, wisdom, and understanding being taught to my people for years. And I thought it was necessary. Because it is necessary to go to kindergarten before you go to the university. Right. It was all necessary. You follow? But to verify the existence of the Most High to you and to me is a board trip. You want it? It's a board trip. Uh, up, You got the names, El Elyun and Ali, right? And Anu. The board trip starts with three levels. This is level three, two, and level one. This level here is earth. I'm sorry. This level here is sea. This is earth. And what is this for me? God. You want to say heaven, I know. <laughs> the word heaven is a Latin word, haven. It also implies a docking point in a marina. This is why in Islam, the first thing that was said to Muhammad 1400 years ago was, Ya Muhammad, Iqra. Iqra, read. The first thing you find in the book of St. John is, in the beginning was a word. And the first thing that happens in Genesis is a conversation. They don't understand the key to unlocking all your problems is in language. And all the leaders won't take time to master the language. Something is key. We're going to check with this one. You know what I mean? Now, in ancient Egypt, we have Shu, right? We have Get, and we have Nun. With that, that, that's the deity of the sky, the deity of the earth, and the deity of the underworld, which becomes, in, when, when the uh, Greeks stole it and changed 
Tawhid, which is Tawh, over to Hamid, they also changed all the names. And they changed this one here to Zeus, this one here, the earth, I'm sorry, the sea to Poseidon, and the earth, which they call the earth, Hades. Hades, which is the word they use for hell, Zeus, the deities in the sky, and Poseidon, the deity beneath the water. You with me? If you want to walk it now, I'll walk you right across the desert. If you want to walk it, but, but, but it works. And, and I want you to try to prove it wrong. Alright? I can take this out in many cultures and give you many different names, but that would lose you and waste time. What I want to take you to is the reality that every culture and all cultures acknowledge this state here, the Most High. The Greeks call it Theos. That's the word in your Bible, in Greek, for God. Theos. And it's running synonymous with Elohim, the way they use it. For their curios also. For Lord. You got that? It's Theos. That's the Greeks. The Elohim is the more modern version taken from Nephilim, Hebrew word Nephilim, to come down, Genesis 6. The Nephilim, as, as it be called, Nephilim. Or the word Jabbar, from Jabalim, from Gebor, from the mighty ones, also Gebor used in there, where the word algebra comes from, which goes back to the Muslims, sort of in the Torah, in Genesis chapter 6, as Gebor. So, so, not, so God did not invent algebra, who was just some Muslim. All that happened before Islam. Most of the time when Muslims are telling you about the accomplishments of Muslims, they're talking about pre-Islamic times. They say mathematics was created by Muslims. The cipher was created by Muslims. They're talking about so-called Arabs before the coming of Muhammad. So it has nothing to do with Islam. It has to do with the Arabs who lived in Arabia before Muhammad was even born. Muslims, since they've been here, haven't invented nothing but terrorism and confusion because the religion of Islam confines the mind to the Quran and Hadith. It doesn't open up for science. I taught Islam for 25 years. And as a kind of love with Arabi and Fusha, what That is poverty. When Allah English. Huh? That was my language before English. So these teachers don't have a clue of what's really going on. I can start anywhere you want. But everybody recognizes the Netjeru, the Egyptians, the Nephilim, the so-called Hebrews. You follow that? The Theos, the Greeks. The Malaika, the Arabic, Upa angelic beings, or heavenly host. You understand? And those beings descended down to earth. When they got here, they came here in what's referred to as a ruah or a rufa in a soul or spirit state, an etheric body. The essence of you when you look in a mirror long enough and you realize you're looking from the inside out at your body. If you don't believe me, try it. Stand in the mirror and stand and look at yourself 
and keep talking to yourself and you'll get a realization that the real you is on the inside looking out. This body is a bacteria that's plaguing the soul, the essence of you. In your Bible it says, man, what? I shake man with dust of ground and breathe into the breath of life and man became a the living part of you is called Nabish Hayim or Hayat. The life force language is key here. You understand me? So you descended down. But before you came down, the being from above on high, Anu, Inumayish, went on high, said if you stay on earth too long, you're going to lose contact with your divinity. You're going to become lured by the attraction of this physical world. You understand? So two schools of thought exist, the greater and the lesser mysteries. You stay with me? Yeah. Here we go. The greater mysteries teach as Yeshua, Asa, Jesus, Sananda, Kamuz, whatever name you want to give them or whatever cult they get, that your path is back to the bosom of the Father. He says it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets to the Father but by me. That he was merely the chauffeur to the Father. You follow that? But then he said, I am the Father all one. When you see me, you see the Father. And I am not greater than you. And you'll even do greater wonders than I. And I gotta go prepare a place for you that where I may be, you may. So certain men, or women, and or women, are destined for a journey from here back to the bosom of the Most High. And certain men and or women are destined to stay here and worship. Some beings are perfecting themselves to become God, and other beings will always worship God. People of the lesser mystery are the religious people. They worship God in spirit and in truth, away from themselves. People of the greater mysteries are like the uncut stone that's on that side, Ashla, that becomes cut to become a perfect stone, become a part of the building block of the Most High place. You with me? Some of you here are of the lesser mysteries, and some of you here are of the higher mysteries. You have people who grab the higher mysteries and play games with them. I heard a brother say, and it threw me off a little bit. He said, um, Allah means I, so L-A-L-L-A-H. Now I heard the uh, 5% use it, and I know that they stole it from the Moorish Science Temple, whether they want to admit it or not. Me. But the sad thing of it is, if you want the truth or you want me to play the game with anybody else? Come on with it. I'm saying that because sometimes when you tell the truth, it's bitter to people. And they get mad at you. They don't really want to hear the whole truth. They want to hear what the man puts in books. And they got, they're real good at referring to white man books. And quoting his books against anything a newbie has to say. 
But I'll take you directly to the language so you can see it, so we can dispel this part of the spell right now. Come on with it. You with me? Come on with it. This word is... Say it. Rose. I can write it with the Ali, or I can write it with the Wa. Raos, and it means head in Arabic. This word is Zarur. Zarur. And it means arm in Arabic. This word is Rajul. And it means leg in Arabic, the ancient language, as well as in Hebrew. Got it? Now, if we're saying we are Asiatics, right, and there's a mother language with Arabic, correct? And then we make references to phrases like arm, leg, leg, arm, head, and saying that we are right and exact, then that should match up in Arabic, not in English. A new language. Come on with it. English didn't even exist back right. then. So you grab an Arabic name, Allah, and add on English words, arm, leg, leg, arm, head, make and sound head. You understand? The unification is here. The power to bring all those forces, all those incarnations into one being to come back out and solve the problem, whether you accept me or not. I'll tell you what I mean. That means the abbreviation of that one, Darul, for arm and Arabic is a vet, which is equivalent to a GH. And that is a ring or a rock, which is equivalent to an ara. And this would be another ara. And this one would be another TH. And this would be another um, another ara. So the word is TH, ara, ara, TH. Not arm, arm. <laughs> Go ahead, man. You with me? These type of teachings must be stopped. Not by force, but by fact. You've got to learn this. So when someone gets up in front of you and pretends to know something, you get that hold of them. That's not right now. That's good information. The kids might like it as candy garden. You let kids in kindergarten play with toys and back time and change it. You let them build blocks in a sense so they can build the blocks. But it's not that. And they say something like, Sam, I am, I am Sam. You say, well, okay, it's learning English. Now you walk down the street and say, Sam, I am, I am Sam. Nobody would understand what you're talking about. But that kindergarten level, so you let Dr. Zeus, Zeus, you see, get in there. It doesn't frighten you. But now we are at the end of time when all the so-called great teachers have taught what they came to teach. They all have so-called finished what they said that everything the nation of Islam is going to teach has been taught. You understand? Everything that the good brother knows, Ali himself, was here to teach has been oh. the same applies to the gods and the earth, father, sentence, and etc. And as I watch with a keen eye, 
and all the teachings out there, I wait to hear that something new or that something special that would let me know that another God had incarnated. I want to hear things that would cue in that he is not or she is not trapped in the mind tetrahedron of persons, places, and things. And he's thinking outside of that realm, which would tell me he's a visitor, not a resident. <laughs> he would do it a little differently. You understand me? I'll do it, by, do it piece by piece. So this has got to go. <laughs> As old information, I, self, Lord, and Master, I, Anna, self, Ness, Lord, Rev, and what Master, Molan. Okay? I, this is an A, it's an Alif, it's not an I, which would come off as an I, as in the name Asa. Where they write I-S-A in their own books. This is a different letter than the Arabic letter Alif. Just like in Hebrew, I write the Alif or I write the I. This is equivalent to the I and this is equivalent to the Alif. Which, will, which I'll get into L and Al for the most high again if you need it. So again we have Anna, I, Self, Ness, Lord, Rabb. And that's not Lord in Arabic. Rabb comes from the word to sustain. There is no equivalent to L-O-R-D in Arabic. However, in Hebrew, we do have one. Baal. Baal, the Babylonian statue called Lord or Lord. You understand? And then Master, Molana. All that means is a teacher. So no. But word Islam does not break down to I felt Lord and Master. And you left the other A out in Arabic. Because the word is written like this in Arabic. And that's there in the second A. The Ali or Lam Ali. And the word comes from the root word Salama. Peace. Not submission. Submission would be a new word created when they added a shadda to double the L, Salam. And if I turn on my brother, I say, Salam, do you surrender? In a headlock? Oh, it could be the other way. He could have me in a headlock. And he could go, Salam, in Arabic. Understand? And he would know, I surrender. Well, you see what I'm telling you then? These things is what's keeping us back. These things is what's making the people out there not realize who their most high it is today. In person. The wisest amongst you is to lead you to the Father. Not the wisest amongst you is the Father. I am not my Father. I am of my Father. I am not Jesus. 
I am not the Messiah. If I, I'm not Esau, don't let the Sunnis put that crap out there. They need that. So that's all they know. That's all they know what? That's all they know how to attack is the obvious. When I say I'm Malachi Zodak or Melchizedek, the Muslims don't have a dialogue for that. So they can't address it, so they say, well, we know him as Dafio. <laughs> they can't say, well, what's Melchizedek? What's Melchizedek? What's that Arabic? They don't know. Nebi Khidir. El Khidir. The green one. Then some Arabs say, oh, that's what he's talking about. No, he ain't that. <laughs> they said, what did that do? And how do you know that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yet that is blank. This must go. You with me? This is old information. This information was taught to you about us. You understand? Now, one of us is here to teach you what you're supposed to know about yourself. And I'll show you how it happens and how it happens. It starts up here in another realm. The Quran calls it Ilyun. Muslims nowhere in any of their tafsir which means explanations of the Quran have been able to explain what that meant. They all evaded. Oh, it's a place where a good record forgets. You say a place like in Makan, a place? And then you know a place, Makan? So where is this place? It's in heaven. They want to go into mythology. And when you try to combine them to the fact of, so are you saying there is an Allah who was here on earth and created beings with the help of his angels, and then as the Quran says, he left the earth and he went into the heaven to sit on an ash, a throne? Can you do that with me? They go, yeah. So there is a throne somewhere in heaven where God sits on it? Yes, and God has a buttock to sit. <laughs> Blasphemy, they yell. <laughs> But it's not. You say God is in heaven? I say God is heaven. Because if God is in heaven, then heaven is bigger than God. You with me? And how could heaven be bigger than the law? But they'll say, who is the Noahic? He's in, he's inside the heaven. So if Allah is, if Allah is inside the heaven, he's who's the biggest? And the law is inside the heavens, and the heavens must be bigger than the law, then the law is not to Akbar. Allah is Akbar, they say the greatest. That does not, that's not what the word translates. The word Akbar comes from the word Kabir, meaning big. The biggest, or the oldest. So if Allah is Allahu Akbar, then He is the biggest and oldest. You can leave that off. You follow what I'm saying? And how could He therefore be in the heavens? How could Jesus' Father be in the heaven? Wouldn't he be the heaven? Wouldn't he be the all? Wouldn't all things be within him and nothing outside? El-Kalum. And you too should say, I am in the all. And all is in me. Not and the all is in me. But I am a part of the all. The all is a part of me. That's what they're saying. That's taking you to the next level of divinity as a quantum 
existing being. You follow? Alright. So now, these beings, according to your Bible, came down, as we spoke about last week, and was hovering above the water. You know what Genesis says? And the Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the water. God was not moving on the land. God was not standing on the land. God was moving on the surface of the water. You see why the Christians got that Jesus walk on water? Because <laughs> they had to try to make him look like God. You understand? They want to put his father out of position and put his son in, like all corporations do. It didn't work. Now, but what did it say? Upon the face of the deep. That means the deep is dealing with the sea. Women? So some beings who were in the sea was looking up at the Spirit of God moving across the water while land was still bobo and tobo, as Hebrew puts it. Void and and darkness. So the planet was in a dark state because the sun's light could not get through. You follow? And a dust cloud covered the planet. And certain beings called Elohim, which is a plural which is a plural in Hebrew, Alif, Lamech, Hey, Yad, Mim. A plural being, the being, these Elo, or where Muslims get Allah, in plural, Allahat, in the Quran, God, they came. You follow? They came. And they looked at the condition of this once fertile place. That's why they said, replenish, refill. They were going to fill it again. It's like when you have a swimming pool in your backyard. You follow? And you dress it and prepare it in the summer, and when the winter comes, you cover it up and all kind of mildew comes. Come the season again, you've got to clean it away, pull the cover off, let the sunlight come in, clean out the pool, get all the mildew and the fungus out, put in fresh water and chemicals to make it usable again. God, you do it every time. You replenish that pool. All right. <laughs> Is that not right? The beings came, the Quran calls them the Malaika, which is Allah, or the Nephilim, or the Neptune, or the Shishoki, or the Kachina, whatever language you want to come from, you want to play Native America, we'll do that. You follow? Came down and saw the condition of the planet. But a being that was talking was looking from the bottom of the sea. Because he said, in the beginning. Right? Let me stop right there. In the beginning. What does the word start with? Beginning. I'm going to give you all a secret that should be kept safe. But I'm going to give it to you. You know why I'm going to give it to you? Because they what? <laughs> because you've never heard it before. 
and with all the teachers that have been teaching you for your so-called 400 years of slavery for those who came from Africa and those who were already here, because both of us are sitting here, right? Right. All these so-called teachers are supposed to be bringing you information. They don't have certain keys. Keys that tell you they're standing outside of person's places and things. Right. Once I say this, it's going to pop up in books, like everything else I say. Right. And nobody's going to give me the credit. They just going to start, you know, oh, standing and writing all us. <laughs> the Nubian people, we the Nubian, they never even heard of this yet. Yeah. And I'll explain Nubian if you need it. I'm going to give you a secret here. Beginning. Women, mm -hmm. the first word, the first word in the Torah is Barashit. Say it. Barashit. Barashit. The first letter in that word is the Hebrew word Bet. 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 Equivalent to what you would call in English B. Yeah? Now let's step out the Torah and step into the Bible of the New Testament. You with me? The first word in the first book of the New Testament, which is called the book of Matthew, is Bibulus in Greek. Say Bibulus. And it means little book. Little book. It's a Greek letter for Oh, yeah, right. With me? Mm -hmm. The first word in the Quran is Bismillah. <laughs> and if they say, no, 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 brother, before that, the Tesliah, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, they say corrupted, was the fifth revelation of Muhammad. It wasn't the first, but the first was Ikra. I said, right. The first was Ikra. Someone said to Muhammad, Ikra. And then when he told him what to read, he said, Ikra what? Bismillah. <laughs> so the B is there again. Bismillah. In the Arabic letter. You with me? The three letters B that have been passing through the scriptures given to you have been controlled by the Magos. The Magus, the Essenes. Today you may call them the Masonic Order or the Freemasons. Well, they have been protectors of the scripture under the name Knights of Templar for thousands of years. For those who know, no. And the key number on the back of the dollar bill is what? Say it now. The keys are 13. Say your alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N. 13. M. Mason. Meta. Latin word for matter or mother. 
and son, my son, the protector of Mary and Jesus, the real one. This is information that has been kept secret for far too long from you. Now I want the teachers to see this inflammation, inflammation. <laughs> now he's going to inflame the population with his information. Note it now as the first time you heard it. And note later on, your teachers will be getting up and using it and never recognize who the most high is, who has the most information for this day and time. Note, it finishes journey. I can't give y'all but so much light. There are two Illuminates. <coughs> there's the Illuminates of the amber light and there's the Illuminates of the green light. You have been the Illuminates before you initiated them into the order of the Illuminates. You gave them the, the amber light. When? When Michael taught Lucifer. And Lucifer rebelled in the heavens and was cast down here and was given the right to socialize and walk side by side with the angels. Look, look in the book of Job. When the angels go back to the heaven, Lucifer's with him again. Right. After all he's done, as a Luciferian, he's still an Elohim. Right. He's just a Wah, not a Yah. Wah and Yah is where they get the word Yahoa from. Yah is the cuneiform for good, and Wah is the cuneiform for disagreeable or evil. Yahweh was Tammuz's name as he brought the Enlilites and the Enkiites into one family. Or Upper Egypt and Lower Egypt into one family. Amun and the Rock, which goes into another story. So these beings, Shu, the heavenly ones, came down to earth. You follow? and mixed in with human beings. And some of them married the daughters of men and produced mighty wives, Gebarian, big children, Genesis chapter 6. But the claim was that Tammuz, referred to as my spirit in Genesis chapter 6, will not always be with man, for he is also flesh. His days shall be 120. The lifespan of the Elohim is 1,000 years each of your time. But he had to leave at 120. That's Genesis chapter 6. That's not talking about Jesus. My spirit should not always start with man for he's but flesh. The day should be 120. Come on with it. That's the Tammuz that's been assigned to you by the Anunnaki. A name they don't want to talk about. Zachariah Sitchin. And these guys are now talking about Anunnaki in this later day and time. Because they knew the ancient ones were coming forth again. They knew that incarnations were going to start happening again. They knew they had to drug you. They had to suppress you. They had to intoxicate you with alcohol beverages. And when that didn't work, as old days, our fathers and grandfathers stayed drunk off of blue. <laughs> when that was not strong enough to suppress the God in you, you they moved on into heroin. Mm. And all throughout the 50s and the 60s, they had us down on heroin. And when heroin couldn't hold us down, but we could kick heroin, they came on with new methods. Right. 
a methadone. Was supposed to kick the heroin and it got you addicted to the methadone. And that couldn't hold us down. So they came out with dust prepared for angels to sprinkle <laughs> It was sprinkling angel dust over our neighborhood. Have us hallucinating, but they knew the power of the hippocampus area in our brain, and that was a contact with the most high. So they got the hallucinatory part of our brain deadened by drugs. And when you couldn't afford angel dust, and you couldn't afford cocaine, they lowered the price and said, crack it. <laughs> Penetrate that skull by any means possible. Crack his head open. Eat his brains. And we start burning ourselves out on a pipe of crack. You know what? You're kicking that too. Radio. 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 